What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Brocade Rants. And before this week's episode plays, I just wanted to add some context to it. Uh, This week's episode is me interviewing my friend Natalia. Now, I interviewed my friend Natalia about what it was like to be a minority living in a white-dominated area. Um, Originally, I did this interview because for a class, I had a cultural immersion project due. So what I chose to do for that was to understand the perspective of somebody else. And this interview actually ended up being really cool. And that's why I chose to do it for this week's uh, podcast. I really enjoyed doing this episode. So it's about to play and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Okay. So what do you identify your ethnicity as? So I identify myself as Hispanic, but my family is from Honduras and Colombia in Central and Latin America. And my dad side is just white okay so your mom's side is um hispanic yes okay so growing up in that household what values were most important to you yeah so my parents were separated and my mom raised me and having been raised in a hispanic household i think you'll you um understand that your family is um they're first above everything else and so we well I lived with my mom but I also lived with my grandma and my uncle um I call him Theo but so uh that's definitely like one value that I was raised with completely like without a doubt and then um I think another one would be this is going to be kind of funny but every time you walk into a house you have to say hi to everybody and before you leave a house you say bye to everybody like, even if they're in the bathroom, you go, you knock on the door, you say hi, or you say bye. And those were, like, those were two really big ones that stuck with me. Family and saying hi to everybody and bye to everybody in a house. So, basically, with family, like, being, like, close to them. Present. Yeah. yeah you just, Like, just being there for each other. And, like, it's kind of, like, even for my family, family's above education. Mm-hmm. Family's above individuality. Family's above everything. Like, no matter what. So... When I um, would, like, disagree with my mom or my uncle or my grandma, it was really hard because I was letting, like, my own individual perspectives get in the way with me and my family members' relationships. And that was, like, really hard for me to cope with and for my family to cope with because after having been raised with family first above everything else, well, family and God first above everything else, especially because my family is super Christian. So religion played a big role. Yeah, very, very, very big role. So, like, how big a role? Like, were you going to church every Sunday? Were... Oh, yeah. Like, I was in, I was in, um, I wasn't involved in choir, but I was on the dance team. I was a part of the youth ministries. I went on, um, well, my uncle is actually, not my uncle that I lived with, but my uncle through marriage is actually a pastor. And so his church was the one that we went to every Sunday. And after every Sunday um, evening, church time whatever that's supposed to be called you would go to their house you would go to their house and we would do barbecue with like carne asada platano frito like literally everything you could imagine but it was it was like family day no matter what sundays were family days every once in a while i was allowed to bring over a friend but that like i said was rare like rare occasion so Listening to this, there's definitely some similarities I can notice, but there are many differences. So what was it like growing up with these type of values in an area where 
this area is dominated by white and Christian. So, like, what was that like? Right. So, um, the Christian part, ironically, is kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, like, one thing you'll notice between white Southern families and Hispanic families is that they have two very big things in common, but everything else is different. Yeah. And that's religion. You know, you'll run into a lot of Hispanics that are Catholic, but mostly I I uh, learned in this area and the area I've lived I've lived in for literally my entire life is most are Christian and family above everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, education second, individuality second, boyfriends, significant others all all you know second, third, fourth. Um, but growing up in this area. I mean, I'll never forget when I was in school and I, like I was told to go back where I came from because they didn't realize that I spoke perfectly good English. Mm-hmm. They thought I didn't know what I was talking about. So that was going to be my next question. How is like how much prejudice have you experienced? Oh, a lot. Yeah, definitely a lot. I mean, and especially from my own family members. And I'm not talking about my Hispanic side. Um, I'm talking about my dad's side who is actually from Maryland, and, um, you know, I've also noticed it a lot in, like, the high school that I went to, and just growing up with, like, even my own friend's parents, and so my, actually my best friend in second grade, she wasn't mixed, but her mom was divorced and had married a white man, and his dad was, like, in his 70s I think and we were walking into a Mexican restaurant one day and I'm not Mexican but they're Mexican and he said the white granddad the white the white step granddad said you know damn we're just gonna have a bunch of wetbacks serving us and I just kind of sat there and I looked at um, my best friend's mom because she's full Mexican and I was just thinking in my head like how can you let someone say that to you and even with my family in Maryland, Hartford County, which is a predominantly white neighborhood, or white county, sorry, um, I have an aunt. And the only reason why I went to go see this aunt was because she has my grandma's belongings. My grandma passed away in 2012. Uh, she wanted my dad to come grab them, but my dad doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Long story short, um, she never gave me my grandma's stuff because she said I wasn't a part of the family. And I'm the only brown person in that family Mm -hmm. um so it's not just from outside beings but also from really close people that you wouldn't expect that type of reactions from i definitely never thought of what happens when uh, your family is mixed i didn't Mm -hmm. i wasn't even a consideration when i think prejudiced i think of people you don't know and maybe that's even a bit naive but i think it's easier to pin an enemy when they're not closer to you Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that goes for anything, too. But but definitely um, having a white side of the family and not necessarily being close to them or knowing them as well, because I did grow up with my Hispanic side, I feel more in tune with my... That's why I don't really necessarily tell people that I'm mixed when they ask me, like... People, when they look at me, they can't tell what I am. Mm-hmm. And so when they, they... I normally get asked, and when they ask me, I say I'm Hispanic. I don't say I'm Hispanic and white, because I feel like I grew up with more... Hispanic values and I grew up speaking Spanish and understanding Spanish and being immersed in the Honduran and Mexican culture because part of my family is Mexican mm-hmm. and um, not not at all being involved with you know whatever white culture is supposed to be 
So looking at prejudice, and obviously you have experienced prejudice in your life, but we all know we change over time. How have you experienced prejudice over the course of your life, and how is it different that you deal with it now compared to when you were younger? Okay, so I'm going to tell a story about when I was six years old, and like I said, my dad was white. My dad used to be super, super racist, um, which is ironic because obviously my mom is Hispanic. She's not mixed. She's Hispanic. She was born in Honduras, and um, he told me one day, as we were walking through Walmart, that I wasn't allowed to speak Spanish because we live in America. And so, you know, we lived um, we lived in California at the time, which is predominantly, the area we lived in was predominantly Hispanic and white, ironically. So we have a lot of Spanish speakers where I'm from. We have immersion programs at schools, which means like you, half the day is taught in English, half the day is taught in Spanish. And I was at Walmart one day with my dad and I heard someone speaking Spanish. I was like six, five or six years old and I went up to them and I said, you can't speak that here. We live in America. Wow. And me looking back, I'm like disgusted with myself, but I also have to understand I was six years old and I was being brainwashed by someone who hated my culture, hated my family, just didn't want, wished I was white with blue eyes and blonde, which I've always struggled with as a person because obviously when I think of like having a relationship with my dad, I wish he was Hispanic because maybe we would bond a lot more, but he's not. And I have to like, take that as it is and figure it out myself but now the way I deal with you know I I have unlearned all those things I don't believe in things like that anymore that was something I had to go through as a person and growing up like I developed my own sense of direction my freshman year of high school I started doing my own research I started getting really uh big into politics um paying attention to the presidential elections paying attention to policies in general And um, now I just deal with prejudice by saying, you know, first generation immigrants, you don't think they contribute to society, but when they have their children here, when they're in the fields doing work that no one else is willing to do, I'm not even willing to do, Mm -hmm. um, their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids' kids end up going to law school, end up going to med school, end up doing things that you know, quote unquote, true Americans will never do in their lives because they've never been motivated to push for something better than what they grew up with. And that's one thing I've always been able to appreciate as I've gotten older is I feel like I've really grown into my family. And I'm realizing that my family, when they did move here, they they moved here for a better life. Like, and that's, they've been able to provide themselves that and not all the time, my family and I have struggled. We've definitely struggled. But the point is that they they put me into a position where I'm at today. And I'm going to be that grandchild that was able to do something big and take care of my family later on in life. And that's really important to me because I, I feel like that's a value that will always stick to me is like yeah. my family. And I was raised on that, taking care of your family. Like I lived with my grandma, my uncle, and my mom because my mom and my uncle have been taking care of my grandmother. Like... My grandma took care of me when my mom was at work and couldn't be at home with me, you know. My mom was a a full-time employee, did overtime. Like, I didn't get much time with my mom when I was younger, and that was just because she was going to school full-time and working full-time because she was trying to get her degree. Yeah. And I've just, I will never, I will never leave my family behind. Like, when I, 
become successful in whatever whatever I do, I know for a fact that like my family will be the first people that I decide to take care of. So with that said and looking at how you are a mature person today, would you say that prejudice rather fuels you to do better and be better and prove people wrong? That's kind of a difficult question. Um, I think people who are prejudiced and are prejudiced against like me or my family, um, I know what my family has done and they've, they've proven themselves to be competent, smart, kind human beings and people who are prejudiced think that people like me and people like my family are inherently bad Mm -hmm. so um I guess for me I just always like to turn it around and be like you don't even know me Mm -hmm. you don't know my family you don't know what we've been through you don't know every Hispanic in this country you don't know their families you don't know what they've been through you don't know what they're fleeing from um so it, it might fuel some people, but I think it is an, it's an inhibitor um, to us being like a collect unit. You know, my I used to have a teacher that would say all the time that America's like a beach ball and we all have our own stripe on the beach ball, but we're, we're all the same beach ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I live by that because I do believe that I have, me and my family have our own stripe on this beach ball and that's with our Hispanic community. And we're all, we're all the same, but it's okay to admit that we are different. Like I rather, I like to accept that I'm different from other people because that's something that's important to do. You shouldn't wipe away your own identity to match other people's because that's what they see to be quote unquote right or true or American. So So you brought up, you brought up school for a second there and I want to, I'm curious with your experiences in society school is not immune to that have you ever experienced negative experiences in school yeah well I mean it'll it I'm sure Ava will explain it later but I'm not from South Carolina I moved here in 2018 I'm from California living in California the the part I lived in Turlock California Central Valley 20 minutes outside of Modesto hour and 15 from San Francisco it's um you don't really experience that unless you hang out with the ag kids, which I find ironic because they were the ones that were that were mostly prejudiced. But I went to a school with 2,700 students. So when you say ag kids, who are they? agriculture kids, okay. sorry, like FFA kids, which I'm not generalizing, but for my school, that's how it was. And um, they they would run around with their Trump flags. Uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, they'd run around with their Trump flags. They'd go around saying build the wall. But as a Hispanic at my high school, we outnumbered the white kids. And Turlock might be founded off of old white money, but it's definitely, it's changing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to my hometown, it's definitely changing, which is nice to see. As for here, when I moved here in 2018, I mentioned this earlier, my first day in class, I mentioned that I was, you know, we had to go around, introduce ourselves. Um, I was there at the start of the beginning of the semester so mm-hmm. it was like a brand new leaf pretty much and I I mentioned that I was from California and someone in the very front row uh scoffed and said just maybe you should just go back to where you came from whether they were talking about California or Latin Central America if you're ever told that it's not a nice feeling ever it doesn't have a, a good thought behind it no the connotation is is negative from the start the minute they say that they're trying to be jerks about it 
but um I you know and another one that I've experienced here was our prom theme actually my senior year which was Mexican masquerade where we all had to take a picture in the front of our high school with uh, pinatas of llamas tacos uh, sombreros maracas and um, Spanish flowers which the Spanish flower I didn't think was that bad. I I was the one that wore the Spanish flower. Everyone else had things that were deemed to be stereotypical and actually untrue because llamas or alpacas are not part of any Mexican culture. And I'm not even Mexican, and I understand that. <laughs> That's so, because you've looked into your own culture. Yeah, I have family who's Mexican, and I, I understand um, where I come from and where my family comes from. So it was definitely hard because I was actually nominated to be on prom court Mm -hmm. and so I had to like be involved in this Mm -hmm. and I had to partake in this and I I mentioned to someone I was like I don't think y'all realize how you know prejudiced and racist this is Mm -hmm. honestly Uh, you know maybe not racist because y'all aren't necessarily saying that your whiteness is better than our brownness but definitely definitely prejudiced because you just don't make stereotypes like that unless you have a thought in your head about how those people are. Preconceived notions. Exactly, exactly. So it was it was really hard, too, because a lot of people thought that it was just, oh, we're celebrating other cultures, you know, but that's not our culture. Alpacas and tacos aren't our culture. So that's very, very rude. If whatever you do, just don't ever be involved the way those people were because they they did not understand at all what type of, like, humans we were like where we came from our background which I guess was the most upsetting because they wanted to think that you know as white saviors they knew who we were no matter what they'd I I think they asked an input of one Hispanic and um she was a part of she was a part of the uh student council Mm -hmm. but you know they didn't ask you know the 20 other kids in a 700 in a 700 student school um what we thought about yeah. it, which was kind of frustrating because I feel like if you're going to make an entire prom theme about that, you should get some input about what, you know, you're doing. Some kids didn't mind. I'm not going to lie. Some Hispanics didn't, didn't mind it. But the more I talked to them about it and like explained to them like why we shouldn't really stand for something like this, the more they realized like, man, I grew up in this community. Luckily, I didn't grow up in that community. I grew up in a community where our um, cultures were respected and and we were known for uh, things that were actually part of who we were. Um, and they started to realize that it wasn't, it wasn't something that was okay. Yeah. They, they, it was something they had to handle and just let slide off their back, but they actually realized that it wasn't okay for people to make assumptions or stereotypes about us based off you know, their own preconceived thoughts yeah. without asking anybody else. So school is supposed to be a safe place for a student and it's supposed to be a place where you feel represented and safe to learn have with these experiences that we're talking about have you ever been in a classroom and have not been like felt that you've been represented in that classroom oh a hundred percent but but like I said you know in California it was just so different it was so different um I was also in a lot of honors and AP classes in California and ironically most of those classes were filled with minorities Mm -hmm. um Hindus Hispanics like literally 
Colombians and um, Mexicans were extremely prominent where I came from. Uh, not many Hondurans, but that's okay. Um, but the but when I moved here, I had a teacher actually, Coach Beatenbow, um, at Pillion High School in Lexington County One. So if anyone wants to go report him, go ahead, because I was too scared to honestly. And he constantly made remarks about um, Hispanics, and he would make remarks. He would let students in his class make remarks about how immigrants were stupid and how we wouldn't do anything in in this country to like. Uh, benefit this country or benefit ourselves and how we're just dangerous and we're criminals and I stood up in class one day and I looked over at uh, this boy sitting in a desk after he said that we were stupid and lazy and I said you know there's kids who immigrated here at six years old and they're gonna do more than you'll ever do in your entire life and ironically all he does is jewel and drive his truck around and I see it on snapchat all the time so unfortunately you do need to experience bad experiences in school, and I feel you are more prone to this if you are a person of color or anything that sets you off from the standard, per se. Mm-hmm. Standard but, American. Yes, Whatever but that's supposed to be. Looking at school, has there ever been a time in school where a teacher's like, you know what, today we're going to talk about ethnicity and, and inform students and culture them? Or has that n- never happened in your life? In South Carolina? No. Never. Never. Um, I, I mean, okay, I guess I can't say that now that I'm in college because that's not true. But but high school. High yeah. school. In high school, definitely, definitely not. I was here for a year and a half. Every single class that I went to, um, it was there was a notion that you weren't allowed to talk about other people's cultures because you didn't know anything about it, which I guess I can respect in some sense. But also there was another side to that high school that I went to here and it was, well, let's just make stereotypes and talk about other people's culture like we know them ourselves. Um, but but the thing with culture is that you shouldn't refrain from talking about it because you don't know anything about it. You should go and learn about it. You should ask these people about it without being, you know, um, ignorant jerks you can do research before asking people about it that's okay you know no one's against that um in california on the other hand my junior year of high school which it happened throughout high school but predominantly my junior year of high school i took ap english and my teacher uh miss asgill she's awesome she actually retired the year after i was with her but she was the one who taught me about the beach ball and the stripe on the beach ball and we read we read, God, we read so many books in that class that were around um, ethnic and foreign authors, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Um, one of my favorite books that I read with her actually was Nectar and a Sieve by uh, Kamala Markandaya, I think her name is. And it just talks about the, the culture in um, East Asia and how, uh, like, the misogyny and how feminism has been contorted to be a certain way for them so that was really interesting especially because I'm not from that culture so it was nice to see that perspective and then we uh we read a book about uh the boy in the barrio which was really really good and that really related to me because I have family who is from the barrio before and then we also read another one um I honestly don't remember the book but it was based in eastern Africa which was really amazing and so that was one of that was my biggest class, I think, that just brought... It, it kind of... It, 
my awakening started freshman year to who I wanted to be and how I wanted to get there and the type of morals I wanted to have. And um, my junior year, she she tied it all up for me. Yeah. She put it... She made me pretty much... I wrote a story about... I wrote like a 14-page story about how when I was younger, my dad being racist, having to grow up with that, me coming to my own conclusions about things and teaching myself my way of life and the way I wanted to be without being brainwashed by um, essentially what used to be a white supremacist. You know, I can say that my dad has turned a new leaf and I'm proud of him for that. But when I was younger, that's how he was. He thought America was white and English was the only way. And for some people, that's okay. For me, that's not. And for life, I don't think that's okay. But so definitely different. Yeah, definitely. looking at that, I think this is going to be the last question, but... So you have mentioned that you have experienced prejudice outside of school, inside of school, that you have had good moments with teachers, but you've also had bad. Would you agree, though, that with your experience that you haven't had enough of, like, cultural immersion, like, teachers did not put enough of an emphasis of teaching culture and teaching different ethnicities? Definitely. I can I can agree with that. I think um, as... I, for the teachers that I've had, I've seen that they've kind of, um, they've migrated to the, they've migrated to the easy topics because they don't want to uh, bring up controversy in the classroom, which I kind of understand because if, you know, the classroom's hectic and people are angry, it's really hard to teach. I've, I've been in the situations before where I've broke down in class crying because the classroom's gotten extremely controversial and I've said my point and people have just been nasty and angry and mean about it and I'm a little baby so I'm gonna cry but you know and for some people that might not be the case but for all for also for some other people that might bring on really big anxiety issues and so I understand why teachers don't necessarily like to get controversial in the classroom which I don't think culture should be controversial but I think in the climate we live in it sometimes is um but as for that, I think out of, you know, the, I mean, I have six professors. I, I've had t over 20 teachers in my life. I've had many teachers. I think maybe only two or three of them have truly um, in, tried to encapsulate, like, other ways of life other than uh, what America, you know, other than what is the standard American, quote unquote, American family, you know, the two, three kids, dog, white picket fence, nice house, suburbs. Uh, definitely only two or three teachers out of probably over 40 teachers have actually liked to be inclusive in that sense and ex experience, let their kids experience what it's like to be in that type of situation. Because not every kid grows up in the same situation, even if they are in the same culture, which I think is another important thing to, to yeah. realize. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I think we're going to wrap it up here, but really, thank you. Mm-hmm.